Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions this afternoon. And the way to get on the air is to call right now while the phone lines, I'm looking at the board, it is completely open, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, taking your calls and your questions this afternoon, and you can always text us. I already answered a couple texts here just before the show, a couple prayer requests, 720-336-0897, and that's a dedicated 24-7 text line. It's not for phone calls, and it's not for voicemails. So if you ever call it or you leave a voicemail, never ever will we ever see or hear it. Only texting. Text to 720-336-0897. Text your prayer request. Or if you have a question to get on the air or you can't get on the air, you can always text it there. Uh, Even if we don't get to it on the air, uh, we can uh, either answer it or pray if it's a prayer request. I want to welcome everyone listening on the Radio by Grace Network and Grace FM. You guys are listening live. And then Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio, Living Water Radio, and our newest station in Kingman, Arizona, The Way Radio. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is the show where we take your calls and your questions and encourage one another in the Lord using the Word of God. Uh, This is not a Bible answer show. There's other people that do it much better or you know, uh, a real technical type of show. It's more of a pastoral show. And the mindset behind it is that you talk, like kind of like after a service here at Calvary, if you want to come up after a service, you can speak to one of the pastors out uh, out from under. You know, they're not in the pulpit anymore. Like after I finish teaching, I come down, I can uh, pray and talk and minister. That's what this show is. You get to talk to a pastor that's not in the pulpit we have th- right now three different pastors that host Calvary Live. Pastor Jeff Figs, who is the senior pastor of Calvary Church in, or Calvary Chapel in Greeley. My name is Ed uh, Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church. And then we also have Pastor Josh Sorensen, who's a pastor here at Calvary Church as well. And we just have different personalities, different ways of looking at the world, uh, different ways, different experiences and backgrounds. We have the same Bible and the same Holy Spirit, um, but I like the variety. We didn't, we didn't, um, when we were launching Calvary Live years ago, uh, one of the options was for me to do five days a week. And I just don't have the time uh, to do five days a week. So we came up with this idea to have various pastors. So we have various personalities and it really works. We're very happy with it. And it keeps the show live almost every day, unless there's a, like yesterday, I sat in for Jeff Figs because he has some time off. Uh, but unless, you know, we're away or something, it keeps the show uh, mostly live, uh, which is really cool. So 
303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. We're going to head right to Fort Collins, Colorado, and Joshua is on the air. Joshua, welcome to the program. Uh, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. What's up? Um, I see a prayer request. I've been uh, having a relationship issue. Um, I know it's not of God, so I okay. So I just just need some uh, spiritual and some guidance and stuff. Um, I pretty much already know what you're going to say, kind of though. But I gave my life to the Lord a long time ago, and she says she's a Christian, and we've been going to church together, and and been doing things that we shouldn't be doing, but um, I feel guilty of it. So I just need some prayer. It's just on my heart that I just need prayer. That's all. Okay, Father, we're asking right now for the my brother to have your will fulfill with this relationship, that it would be something that you uh, approve of, something that you're in, something that God honors you. And so I pray right now that you would help my brother, uh, that you would encourage him, and that in this relationship— uh, there would be a, a a holiness, Lord. I, I just get that sense that we need holiness in this relationship. And if not, then according to your will, we'd let it go and wait on you. And I know it's hard for my brother to hear, but I know that God, He receives it as from as from you. He's ready for your answer, and so help sure. Him, Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate your time. You have a good day. Okay, bro. Bye, bye. 303-690-3000 is the number, 303-690-3000. Taking your calls and your questions. My name is Ed Taylor, and let me drop that call. Great. And I'm taking your calls. There's a great question that came on by, via text. Oh, let me get to the right screen here. Uh, are there Bible verses that suggest or require kneeling and collapsed hands when praying? Uh, and the answer is there are suggestive pastors. Uh, excuse me. There are suggest. <laughs> okay, Ed. There are suggestive passages uh, for where we what our posture is uh, for praying. Uh, so, for example, in Psalm 95, in verse 6, it says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Uh, and bowing and kneeling have often been associated with worship and reverence. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew word uh, for, for worship literally means to bow down. Um, and the first time it's recorded in the Bible of bowing is in Genesis chapter 18, when the three visitors came to see Abraham. There is no passage that requires it. Um, as a matter of fact, this uh, posture that we teach our kiddos, you know, bow your heads, close your eyes, fold your hands. While that's good and nothing wrong with it, it's not a necessity. As a matter of fact, as you read carefully in the scriptures, let me get there with you. In John chapter 17, we have that high priestly prayer of Jesus. Uh, you know how sometimes the Lord's prayer is, is known as our Father in heaven? That really should be called the disciples prayer, because Jesus is giving instruction on how to pray. The Lord's prayer is actually found in John 17, and the posture that Jesus took in this particular prayer, it says, Jesus spoke these words, 
lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also glorify you. There's a posture of prayer where you lift your eyes and look to heaven. So their eyes are not closed. And if you're praying while you're driving, you can't bow your head. You can't grasp your hands. Neither can you close your eyes. So no, there is no uh, mandate, but there are suggestions. There's lots of postures of prayer. You can pray face down. You can pray sitting, standing, uh, kneeling, bowing our heads, lifting our hands. All of them um, are uh, available for you. 303-690-3000 is the number. Great, great question. We have no open line, so our producer is sorting out the lines even as I speak. But you can always text me. I want to shout out everyone listening in Georgia and Idaho and New Mexico, Wyoming, uh, Wisconsin, Colorado, of course, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Tennessee, North Carolina, Georgia, South Carolina. I've got an invitation, actually, to come out to Columbia, Tennessee. I've never been there before, so I hope I can take it. I don't know that if I can, but it's one of the many invitations uh, that I received during the year, and I've never been to Columbia, Tennessee, so perhaps I've been to Knoxville, which I had a great time serving in Knoxville, and perhaps the Lord would have us to get out to Columbia, so we'll see. All right, let's go right to back to the phone lines. Alex in Illinois, welcome to the program. Hello. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Alex. All right. So uh, I had a question okay. for you. Um, I've called a couple of times. Um, one asked, the first time asking for prayer to, for God to send a, a woman into my life because I have had a desire to be a family man since I was 14. Okay. He has placed a young woman in my life. I called and very grateful and had someone pray over me. I can't remember if it was you or okay. not. All right. However, it's all right. But um, I've been seeing her for about three to four weeks, and her birthday is coming up, and she is not a Christian. Okay. Um, I understand the whole uh, thing that Jesus said about uh, being not unequally yoked, and I should not be pursuing a relationship with her if she's not a Christian. However, I was wondering what you thought, like, if you thought it would be appropriate if I got her a Bible for her birthday. Okay. Well, there's a couple things in your phone call that we can address. Let me address the, let me address the simpler one first, and that is, it's always a good idea to get an unbeliever a Bible. So yes, it would be a great birthday gift uh, to give, get a version that's easy to understand, like the New Living Translation. It's reliable yeah. to the text, but it's very—it's uh, a version that's very easily understood. So the answer is yes. It's always a great idea to get an unbeliever a Bible. <clears throat> that's the simpler part of your question. The more difficult part of your question is you are in a relationship with an unbeliever and you don't seem to care. Is that true? Well— I asked her out to see if we were compatible, and she did not. She told me that she's not a Christian, and nothing's official. We're not 
boyfriend or girl, girlfriend at this point. Okay. Um, we're just, I'm, I'm trying to find compatibility, and I have not found of course. much in the way of that. That's not uncommon. Uh, religiously um, speaking. Well, I, that's not uncommon. Uh, you're not alone in that. There's a lot of men and women that in their singleness right now are finding that lack of compatibility and that lack of even companionship uh, with other believers. H- however, and that's an however that I have as well, <clears throat> it's not okay to pursue a relationship. Like, I know that you're befriending her right now, but you you know, and I don't have to draw it out of you because you've already said it, um, you know that your hopes would be to enter into a relationship with her. And you're yeah. setting yourself up for a lot of pain and a lot of sorrow and a lot of hardship um, because your heart is out. It, you're, you're following emotion before you're following uh, the spiritual part of your life. There's a word for that. Um, you're, step, you're walking in disobedience. Now, I want to be careful here because I, I know these words are hard to receive, and I also right. hear what you're saying. I hear that you're cautious, and I also hear that nothing's happened and that you're just going out, but I don't want to minimize. I don't think I could—I I mean, I can't stand before the Lord if I didn't tell you these things. You're setting yourself up for a big hurt because either A, you get attached to her, and then finally you get convicted and you break up with her because she's not a believer, or even worse, you marry the girl and she never loves God, and you're unequally yoked, and, and now you're going to pay the consequences for your uh, for a future sinful decision, and neither one of those will be good for you. Um, neither one of them are better than singleness. Neither one of them are better than waiting on the Lord. Even though I was, I was a singles pastor for many years, brother, and and while I don't understand it from where you sit, I do have an empathy with you that it's very hard for single men and women right now. And I'm sorry, bro. Just don't match that. Don't match the difficulty of your singleness with a bad decision. You'll regret it. Prom- I promise you, you will regret it. Right. I, I appreciate your insight. Um, my dad and I, my dad is going through seminary right now. Yes. And he's... Uh, he was an analyst in the Navy, so he under he analyzes scripture. Yes, and he understands it very well. And he's talked about this a lot. And when I found out she wasn't a Christian, which was it was on the first date, it was about about almost the whole time we've been seeing one another. That I just, I mean, I like her. She's a very nice young lady. Yes. She's very pretty, but I've just been kind of, you know, wary of the whole situation, and I'm I'm trying to be polite to her, and you know, not just say you know dump her. I guess. No, I and you know I think it would be easier. Let me give you an easier scenario because this is this will, it's silly, so it really doesn't compare, but it's enough to shake the tree a little bit. If you called today and said, Ed, I'm in debt. Uh, and I'm going through so many difficulties right now, and I need money. So I'm planning about I'm planning right now to rob a bank. I haven't done it yet, but I've picked the bank, and I know the the hours. And I, I mean, I would tell you the same thing, bro. Don't rob a bank, not because it's illegal. That's enough, but because it's not biblical. It's not God's will for your life. And there's a very similar thing you're describing, where okay, you haven't done it yet. 
but you're heading in that direction. And, you know, you got to understand when you start heading in a direction, the longer you head in that direction, the harder it is to get out of it. And if there is any, any kind of second date in your mind or second, like then I'm telling you, your heart is already attached to her because your first statement was, I was, I wanted to meet her and go out with her to see if we're compatible. I haven't met her. I don't know her name. I don't know anything about her except for what you've shared with me. And I can assure you she's not compatible with you. And the reason she's not compatible is she doesn't have the same love for God that you do, period. And I know it's hard to hear, but I, I, I just got, I've got to stand before the Lord. And there's other people listening that need to hear this too. As hard as it is, it's, it's just hard, man. But don't make it worse. You know, I've, I've, I've thought about everything you said for a while, and it's been hard to, you know, kind of wrestle with. Yeah, I've been wrestling with it. And I know that I can only go so far with the relationship between two persons, if I can put it that way. We can be friends, but yes, you can be friends. We to go any, if we were to go any further, I would be living in sin. Yeah, you could be friends. That's for sure, and it's okay to have uh, many friends of the opposite sex for sure. But don't deceive right. yourself. You know, don't deceive yourself. Be careful. Listen to the people that are speaking into your life because if you're already emotionally attached to her, that's going to be very difficult to have a platonic friendship with her in your mind, at the very least in your mind, let alone if it's reciprocated and she feels similar about you, then where do you think it's going right. to go? You know where it's going to go. Right. <clears throat> so, Father, I pray for my brother. I pray that you would... Help him in his decision-making. I pray, God, that you would show him the direction he's to take with his life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Alex, thank you, man. 303-690-3000 is the number. Shane in Fort Lauderdale, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed, how are you? Good, man, what's up? Uh, I'll keep it short and sweet for you. Um First off, I'm overjoyed to hear everybody calling in and utilizing the resources. Um, but currently, I'm at a company. Um, it's in the warehouse, a lot of debauchery, a lot of craziness. Mm. And uh, we're ran by these Pakistani dudes. Um, so I know it says in the Word, pray for your enemy. And today was a big decision. Uh, we're looking at a new warehouse. Okay. Um, so I just want to lift up my boss. Okay. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. Um, I, I want to lift up my boss and just pray that, uh, he gets his warehouse and everything runs smooth. So did I hear you correctly that the Bible, you were talking about the Bible t- says to pray for our enemies and you're praying for your boss. Do you, does that mean you think your boss is an enemy? I don't. However, he's Muslim. Okay. Um, I, I he's a great guy. I mean, I, I have empathy. I think he's a little misguided. Sure. Yeah, because he's a Muslim or he fall, follows a false uh, teaching doesn't necessarily make him an enemy. Um, it doesn't make him someone that we know what the Bible says. 
whether it's a Muslim or a pagan or an unbeliever, that that that, that brother is in enmity with God, uh, and that God can sort out his own enemies. But for us, um, befriending someone that's an enemy of God uh, doesn't, you know, just the fact that they are rebellious against God doesn't automatically make them an enemy or um, any of that. So let's pray for him just as the man that he is, the business owner, that through the blessings of God, uh, he might come to know uh, the faithfulness of God and God's love for him. So, Father, I pray, uh, along with my brother, that um, his boss would would receive favor with this um, this um, warehouse, and God, that you not only would take the um, bless him with the with the warehouse, but that through your blessings. I remember what Paul said. He said, don't you know that that this that it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance? And your blood is sufficient to cover even this man's sins if he'll turn to you in repentance. So God, we pray for your will to be done. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, brother. All right, we're coming back to Denver now. Antoinette, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Hi. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, I have a question to, well, actually, maybe you can help me process. I'm um, going through a few scriptures for this, but um, Ephesians six twelve, 12, um, when it talks about we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. So I, I've i been a, a Christian, a believer for most of my life, and I've always believed in God where I am and his help and the Holy Spirit. And I moved to Denver temporarily um, for another purpose, Okay, but... Um, I've also been a nurse for 27 years, so I thought while well, I was here doing another purpose that was overwhelming, I thought I could pick up a job as a nurse here, and I did that. Um, while here, it, it, the job itself has been really, really tough. I've, I've never been quiet about my beliefs and um, pretty, pretty vocal about, I, you know, I don't go around preaching where I work, but I don't hide my faith in any way, shape, or form. Okay. I offer to, to, to pray for anyone or, you know, so, so it's pretty, it's pretty plain for people that I work with to see. However, it's been very difficult because I also have not been able to find another believer <laughs> to talk with. Mm. So I felt like there was some very, like, a, mean people that I work with, purposely mean, um, destructive. So there was a point where I was like, Lord, this cannot be the job you had for me. And I really felt that it was, um, prayerfully. I just, the doors open, this is where it was going to be. Um, their mantra was, um, they want to follow the healing hands of Christ. I'm like, this is it. This is where I need to be. Um, God opened this door and there was a day and I've been focusing on, memorizing scripture and the scripture that I had been memorizing was um John fourteen twenty six. Um 
and 27, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, because I need the helper every minute. I would just needed him to help me through my job, through the people I was with, through the high cutie of the job. And I would just recite that over and over. And um, recently there was a day I went in and I was just like, this can't be it. I'm looking for other jobs. And on my break, I was looking for other jobs. And um, that scripture, I kept reading that scripture over and over and I was going in to relieve in a room, and it's the spiritual realm. It's like I experienced the spiritual realm like I've heard about before with other believers, maybe other pastors, but I've never experienced. And I was standing, getting ready to go into a room to relieve um, that room, and all of a sudden, um, the Scripture Isaiah fifty four seventeen, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And in that moment, I saw there was a demon next to me. There were demons around in different places peering straight towards where I was, and there was a light next to me. I wasn't trying to memorize Isaiah fifty four seventeen at all. That was not the scripture. The scripture I was memorizing, I told you, was John 14, 26, and 27. And that the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will give you in my name, will teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance, which I have taught you. He brought that scripture to me. And in that moment, I wasn't afraid, even though I could see the demons around and the white that was next to me, it was strengthening. And then... That scripture came to mind, and I was able to be empowered as I went into the room. That was a difficult room, and um, take care of that. But so I'm, I guess I'm trying. How do I process that? I, yes, it was great, but it was also an experience that I've never experienced before. Well, it's not unusual that a sister would go through spiritual warfare. And it is a little unusual to have a demonic manifestation there, but it's not, it's not unusual doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Um, it certainly does happen. And what you experience sound, the way you describe it sounds very real and very, very possible. Uh, it's definitely not impossible. And so the fact that you experienced it, um, that very could very well could have been a demon right then and there. But then I remember at the same time, no matter what's happening around us, the Bible says... Mm-hmm. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who mm-hmm. is in you is greater than he who is yeah. in the world. And no matter where you are, relieving in a room, uh, in a job interview, even even the demonic hassle, being in church, you know, you're here to worship God and you bring in all kinds of stuff. The enemy's messing with your mind or like it. it the demonic realm is real. You experienced, it sounds like a very unique, um, but very real situation, you have victory over it, and you move forward in your everyday walk. Okay. <laughs> uh, I I just want to validate the fact that you're in the midst of a warfare, and what yeah. you experienced is not unusual. It's not normal, but it's not unusual. Okay. So, I mean, I pray every day, and I go in and I continue praying every day. I continue to have my Bible app. We, you know, bringing up these scriptures, and now, yes. of course, Isaiah as well. Yes. Um, and what do you, when yes. you say that, what are you trying to say? 
that I'm taking up the whole armor of God, yes. that I'm using Him. Do you expect, so then I guess by all the spiritual disciplines in your life, are you expecting not to be hassled by the by the demonic realm? <laughs> no, that, I'm not expecting okay. that. I guess I just didn't expect it to be so... Yeah. Not that I didn't think it was real before, because I, I believed that it was yes. real before. I okay. just, it was just... Yeah, it's shocking. Yeah. It's shocking. It's like you, would, yeah. you wouldn't... Because again, it's not a normative experience most of the warfare we have is that not with a demon face to face it's with our flesh but demonic realm is real and you experienced it so you hear the music gotta go bye-bye antoinette yes sir all right thank you we'll be back i'll pray for antoinette uh, as soon as we get back on the second half of the program stick around we got a quick break and we'll be right back Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the second half of today's program. You're listening to Calvary Live. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000 taking your calls and your questions. Uh, so encouraged in what God is doing, wanting uh, to uh, just be used of the Lord. Uh, what is it that He wants to accomplish in our lives? I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, we're so encouraged. Uh, the, the Lord is doing great things uh, among us, and it's important that we follow along carefully. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number. All right, let's see what we have here. Uh, we wanted to pray for Antoinette. So Lord, I pray for Antoinette and many others uh, that are uh, praying, I mean, are experiencing spiritual warfare and just going through it. Uh, with in and in this case, just like heavy duty demonic presence, that you would continue to guard her and provide Lord spiritual strength uh, that she might be able to grow in grace. And and I just love that passage: He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. All right, we're coming back to Colorado now. Uh, Kim in Colorado Springs, welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor Ed. How are you? I'm doing great. What's going on? Well, I have a question on 1 Corinthians 3.15. Can you explain that verse for me, please? Sure. Let me read it to you. And for everyone listening, 1 Corinthians uh, 3.15. Let's go back to 12. It says, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw... Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he'll receive a reward. And then your verse, verse 15, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will not be saved, 
yet so as through fire. So I believe this is a reference to the Bema Seat judgment of Christ. Um, this is what something only believers will experience. And the judgment of the Bema Seat uh, is a judgment for rewards. And you'll notice that there's two types two types of things that are used to describe work. So basically two categories, uh, wood, hay, and straw, which are not very valuable, easily burned up by fire, um, disappear, especially something like straw and hay, very, very quickly. And then the other category is gold, silver, precious stones, which tend to be very valuable, uh, take much longer under the heat to melt. Uh, As a matter of fact, with gold and silver, um, they only get better under heat because they're more purified. Uh, And so there's a distinction between works that are very precious and valuable and works that are, are very worthless, and that at the end of the age, believers are going to be judged for their works, for their works. And so when it comes to verse 15, if anyone's work is burned, what he's done in life is being examined by the Lord and is burned, he's going to suffer the loss. And what is the loss? The reward. There'll be no reward. For example, uh, you and I, we're out shopping at the mall, and we see a poor person, and your heart goes out to that poor person, and you give them $5. Um, And I'm standing there with you, and I go into my pocket, and I give him $10. But it's not because of my heart. It's because I want to impress you and say, oh, look at me. I'm a pastor, and I give more than you. Well, when you and I are standing at the Bema seat, who's going to be rewarded and who's not? Well, when we both, really? I won't because my motives were wrong. Well, I wasn't doing it for the. You're saying in that, yeah. I wasn't doing it for the. I was. We were doing the same thing, but we were. You were doing it with the right heart. I was doing it with the wrong heart. And I think. I see what you're saying. Okay. What's going to be examined is not just the work, because you and I can have the same exact work, uh, the same work of righteousness, but we could do it for very different reasons. And I think the reasons and the heart and the motive is what's going to be refined at the bema seat. Um, well, what does it mean by yet as yet so as through fire? What does that mean? That the person so, will make it through, even though that they could all of their works could have been burned up, but they're still saved by the grace of God. Okay, I see. What, okay, that makes sense. Then, often wondered what that meant every time I read that. It's kind of like the phrase. Um, it's similar to the to the colloquialism that's you know you made it by the skin of your teeth. Um, and this is very similar. You made it, but you made it through fire. You know, you smell like smoke, and you got smoke all over, and and the fire burned off everything you ever did thought was you did for Christ, but you still made it because you're not saved by works. You're saved by the finished work of Christ. That makes sense. So, yeah. So it is a very important then, of course. We don't want to go through smelling like smoke. At least I don't. I don't either, and but you know that's the big surprise of the bema seat, and it will be a big surprise. I mean, I think, I think in life we we believe the best in ourselves and not so much in others. But God sees the real in ourselves, and He sorts out. That's why it's so important for us to abide in Christ um, and to trust in Him and to hold fast to Him, because we we shouldn't even let this. Like get, we shouldn't even let this like trip us up. This idea of the bema seat, because when we're abiding in Christ, He's going to be leading us and guiding us, and we'll be doing and saying exactly what He wants us to do and say. That's true. That is true. 
All right. Well, thank you so much. I really do appreciate your help with that. You really explained it very well for me. You're welcome. I appreciate it. God thank bless you. you. Bye-bye. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. 303 Heading over to Texas. Jayton, welcome to the program. Uh, hello, Pastor Ed. How are you doing? I'm doing great. What's going on? I'll, uh, I just was doing a study the other night, and I had some questions about the, or a question, um, about in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Okay. So I'll kind of just give this, this section laid out of these six verses so we can kind of have a, you know, some content. Go for um, it. Uh, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break in nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil... Thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee is darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. So my questions are about verse 22 and 23 of the light of the body is the eye, Therefore, the eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. So I'm, I can gather that through this, Jesus is trying to tell tell us, from what I think anyway, of not to not to you know not to build worry about so much as your earthly possessions and building yourself up with earthly possessions and money and stuff like that, and you know, kind of just saying don't be don't be someone who's greedy and only thinks of things of the world and but when it gets to this point where the light of the body is the eye is is that just talking about like a greedy eye or like like somebody who who's just wanting of material possession or is that like does that mean something else I, i'm trying to understand those two verses Well, you've done a great job of doing something that is very easy to skip. And what you did is you kept the context. Because this is a challenging passage, no doubt. It's it's arresting and it stops. But you kept the context, which is going to get you closer to the answer. Because it would be easy to take the context out of this uh, and make it something that it's not. But Jesus is very clearly talking about money, riches, going after them, making them a priority above him. Don't do it. It's not worth it. And you're right. So let's look at the text. And I found, I think I found the verse that actually unlocks this text. Um, and I did it when I was teaching it because I felt the same way. It's like a, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount is a very challenging passage in many ways. And yeah, I found a and scripture. a very important one. So let me tell you if this doesn't open up for you. You ready? Yes, sir. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 22 says this, A man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. Now, we kind of use the phrase evil eye as, you know, giving a side eye or a dirty look, 
But this language sounds very, very close to what Jesus is saying. It does. Uh, and the idea that if you got to be careful with your eyes, and I think the way I tie it in with a New Covenant perspective is not just merely Proverbs 28, but also remember that in the temptation of Eve, uh, and also what John would write in First John, that the enemy that we face or the issues that we face, um, Eve faced it in the Garden of Eden, and you and I um, face it every day. It's the lust of the eye, uh, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And lusting is everything to do with what you see, what you feel, what you become hungry yes, for it. And so I think what Jesus is saying here, and this is where I would land, that if we're chasing after treasures, you know, if we're storing them up on earth, if we have that evil eye like the Proverbs talks about, then we're just going to be filled with discouragement, filled with depression, filled with worry. We're going to be filled with the world. And even though the world's disintegrating rapidly, even as we were talking today in our staff meeting, you know, the lawlessness is abounding in our world today because that's what the Bible said would happen. Um, and if we're living for this world, living, well, we're already in it, but we're, if we're living for it, then we're going to be very disappointed. We're not going to be living in an honorable way. We're going to experience poverty. If not with physical poverty, we absolutely are going to experience spiritual poverty. And, you know, absolutely. the application I would give to our church is if our, you, we can either possess our possessions or find out the hard way that our possessions possess us. It all depends on the eyes. How do we see the Lord? How do we see right. this world? And how do we see the things of this world? That, that's what I think he's saying there. So when he's saying, thine eye be single, and thy whole body shall be full of light, what he's saying is that if our main goal is to seek him and to do the will of the Father to the best of our ability, then that that is the light that he's talking about. Yeah, so he's using he's using a very familiar uh, metaphor, you know, your eyes and what they see. Um, your eyes right. help you clearly see and interpret your surroundings. And here's what, let me read it to you from the New Living Translation. Uh, the New Living says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye is unhealthy, then your body will be filled with darkness, right? If you're blind, you can't see. Uh, right. You, you have no perspective. And, and riches, again, the metaphors are powerful here because riches in this I world see. system has a way of blinding us. Um, yeah. And, if, and then he says, the way the NLT ends it, if the light you think you have is actually darkness, then how much darkness do you really have? Like, if what you think right. you have, like, if possessions have satisfied you and you think that that's all there is, then you're really filled with darkness, and that is a lot of darkness. That's what he's trying to say. Right. And I'm, I'm glad that, it, that I think the Spirit moved me to ask a question about this, because actually my brother, uh, he's, he's been having struggles lately. Um, he's, but he's also always had kind of a mentality of like, um, if, you're, if you're not, you know, well off with, you know, you don't have to worry about bills. You don't have to worry about any of this. You just you can have a big ranch where all your family can live and all this kind of stuff. And I feel like that he's kind of made that the thing that blinds him from 
knowing that God takes care of us. You know, when yes. he says earlier in these passages, um, talking about, you know, consider the lilies, they neither toil nor spin, but Solomon wasn't arrayed as one of these, you know, and I just feel like that he, I've, I've been praying and I ask you if you will pray too for him uh, to to seek the Lord mm. rather than to blind himself with the materialness of this world. Father, we just pray right now for my, my buddy's friend and materialism gets us all, Lord, small in small ways, sometimes in large ways. And, and even living in this world, Lord, we've been sold this bill of goods. Like we have to get the American dream and, and comfort and ease is the only way to live. But so many struggle, so many wrestle, Lord. We forgive us, God, for our selfishness and our self-centeredness. And I pray for this brother, that, that um, Jayton's friend, that he would be held back from being swallowed up by the world and teach us, God, it's not like we're not going to have things. Of course we're going to have things. And it's not like we're not, some listening won't be rich. Of course they'll be rich. You, you have, you're the creator of wealth, God, your word says. But for what purposes? And what, what, are, what are we to do with what we've been given, but rather to be faithful to you, Lord? And so I pray no matter what we have or don't have, that our eyes would be clear and that we'd let the light in and we'd have lives that glorify you with everything you've entrusted to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ed. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Jaden. God bless you, brother. God bless you. Bye-bye. From Texas on Radio by Grace, we're going to head over to Millie in Georgia, also on Radio by Grace. Millie, welcome to the program. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. So um, this is a question that I kind of have. Um, I've never listened to this radio program before, but I tuned in for the first time today. Okay. Um, and I've just enjoyed it listening to um, what you were talking about. And it made me think about just how grateful I am to be called by God and to be saved. Um, and that led me to a question that I had. Um, I remember a specific moment when I was younger when I said the prayer of salvation, but since then, um, I've really come to know God in a new way. The first semester of college really broke me in a lot of good ways, though, and um, I'm grateful for what he's done in my life, and I've come to know Jesus in a really different way as my Savior and understanding his grace and really his love for one of the first times, and I believe now that I am saved and that I'm going to heaven if I were to die right now. But um, the question I have is, if do we are we always able to, as Christians, pinpoint our salvation back to a certain moment? Because I've had lots of doubts, and that was actually something I struggled with a lot. Was was I did I really mean it when I said that prayer as a child, or did I get saved more recently and I just wasn't aware? Um, and I was just wondering about that. You know, I've something I've had to work through in my own life, but uh, maybe you can help me out with this question. Well, a lot of times in our testimonies, we like to identify the actual day that we were born again. Like for me, I remember it. I, I was older. I was yeah. in my 20s. I, it was in a Wednesday night Bible st- study at the church I was invited to, February 20th, 1991, glorious day. And when you hear people share those dates and those particular times, it can be a little intimidating as you begin to examine your life and you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can pinpoint a date. 
I remember something as a kid, but then I lived this way, and and then I'm not really sure when it happened. Now, I do I do believe that there is going to be evidence of a changed life, and you want to look for that in your life, an evidence of a changed life. But whether you can pin it to a day, um, I, if you can't, that's okay. But at the same time, you also said something toward the end. Maybe maybe I got saved along the way, like I didn't know it. Um, I don't I don't think that's possible because you know salvation requires a confession with the mouth. It requires an exercise of belief. So perhaps you could say that you know there was a real tra- salvation experience when you were a child, and then a long backslidden experience, and now this recommitment in your life. That's a one possibility. Uh, another possibility is that you are coming to an awareness of your repentant life right now and you were saved later in life. Like instead of saying I was saved uh, on this particular day, you could say, yeah, you know, I was saved in my 20s. You know, I kind of sense like the Lord and you keep affirming and reaffirming your salvation experience. But I don't believe um, that the Bible teaches that people are saved and don't know it, like don't know when it happened. Um, But you should be able to see evidence like you should be able to say, um, you know, the good news is this, all this is all the good news of all of this is this. You're alive. You can look backwards and you can see no matter when it happened today, I confess the Lord Jesus Christ with my mouth. I repent of my sins and I can look back. But you also don't need to feel bad that you can't pinpoint you cannot pinpoint a day. Um, and I agree with what you said. I, I might have phrased that wrong. I certainly didn't mean that, like, you know, salvation happens and one doesn't know it. Yeah, yeah. I've Good. definitely said, like, Lord, you know, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart. But lots of times, um, you know, I've said that multiple times, I've realized we only get saved once. But right. I would say that over and over out of doubt because yes. I was referring back to that moment as a child. I don't remember how I felt. I'm not sure if I was genuine. But I know since then. I have come to embrace the Lord and know Him in a way that is real, and I've said that prayer. So I'm not sure when the salvation came place, but I do know, like you said, that um, He's done something in my life, and I mean, I've still got a lot to grow and walk to. We learn, all do. But, um, well, let, let's definitely. let's talk about uh, let's talk about something that's more uh, easier to grasp because sometimes spiritual things can be hard. What city uh, are you driving in right now? Um, I am driving in Brunswick. Okay, so you what if you you're driving through Brunswick right now and you're like you you on the phone, you forgot where you're at and you doubt that you're in Brunswick. Does that mean you're not in Brunswick anymore? No. Right. <laughs> no, and so sir. doubting doubting is and I know it's silly, but it makes the point, doesn't it? Because doubt okay. you can you can be living in the truth and still doubt it. That's part of the human experience. Or you can have behaviors or weird thoughts, like one of the sisters called earlier, the spiritual warfare. The enemy's throwing thoughts at you and ideas. And and you're living in reality, but your mind is battling falsehood. And doubt can be a falsehood uh, that we are... We're just having to come back to the truth. I, man, I don't even know if I'm saved. I, why would I think that? Or why would I say that? And the Lord's going, no, no, no. I don't want you to doubt your salvation. I just want you to stop saying that. And uh, you're like, oh, yes, Lord, you're so good. Thank you for reminding me you love me and care for me. But, you know, even on a spiritual level, right, we could say God loves us, but sometimes we doubt that love because of our own behavior or the circumstances we go through. Yes, that was a very real thing for me, exactly what you said, just having to deal with that doubt of, you know, am I saved, am I not? 
Um, and I think it was because when I reached that point where I, I saw God's love for me in a new way and I you know, was starting to really have those questions like, wow, um, am I really safe? It was because I had been living up until I was a child, up until college, in this really works-based mindset of trying to, I mean, I acknowledge Jesus, but I was the one that felt this pressure to be something for God, to make sure that he loved me. And, you know, a lot of that comes from our childhood, maybe not yes. having a good relationship with our sure. earthly father. But um, that was just one of the reasons why I really struggled with it, because I, I had all these doubts about the moment I got saved. Um, so I was just curious to know if you think it's always pinpointed to you know, maybe the moment we remember in Sunday school, does that have to be? I guess I'm not, I'm not thinking how to phrase it. I've just, I've come into a new area of my, and a new realization of my relationship with the Lord. And I'm just curious to know what you, what you thought that meant about salvation and if maybe it came along later in life. I just or, think it's this. Here, here, let me simplify it for you. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today. Uh, you don't have to pinpoint what it was in the past. You can let the past be the past, and you can walk in the conf- starting today. You can walk in the confidence that the Lord has saved you, that you're His daughter, and that your past is filled with all kinds of ups and downs and weird things and weird beliefs and weird doubts. We all have a past, um, but here you are. You can move forward with the confidence. You don't need to worry about or be concerned whether it was when you were a kid or later on in life, because today is the day of salvation, and you can live in the in the day knowing that you're saved and move forward and say, you can just start using today. This phone call, this radio program, January 3rd, 2024, you can use today as the day where God affirmed to you the work that he's done in your life sometime in the past, and just leave it at that. Well, thank you, because that was one thing that was also on my heart, was when I share my testimony, you know, everybody does like you said, you had a specific experience to really draw back on and say this was the day that my life turned around. For me, it was a little bit different, but I just didn't know how, when I do share my testimony one day, how would I do that in a way that looks like, yes, I actively, you know, pursued the Lord. He called me. Yes. Um, so that's a good way to put it, though. I, I think that's that's true. And that whole, I would even say that whole season of doubts and ups and downs and not really knowing is part of your testimony. No, that's, you get to, because other people feel the same way. And you can say, here's, here's how God resolved it in my heart. I've always loved him. uh, And I, I, I just felt a more real sensation later in life. I can't really pinpoint, like I like to say, so many things come back to my mind when I'm teaching or, and I'm like, man, if I knew this was so important, I would have wrote a date down. Like, I didn't know I was going to use it as a testimony in the future. I didn't know that hey, uh, that I need I, that pinpointing a date would have been helpful, but I didn't pinpoint a date. I just know what happened, um, and yeah. here's, here's what happened, um, and, and that's how I've resolved it, because there's so many things in my past that I can't give a date to, um, but I know it happened. I was there, and so, but I like to use that phrase, man, if I knew it was that important, I would have wrote it down, uh, but I didn't, so, and I just moved forward from that, and you know, this doubt and these attacks on the mind um, are a powerful part of your testimony because you still made it through. Yes, and it, you know, it was a very hard time, but that was how I was able to see God and see Him there for me and really come to know Him in a new way. And I'm still walking through, you know, things I struggle with, but now I'm starting to see He's there. He loves me. That's He's right. for me. And, and I'm 
so grateful I found this show, too. It's been a blessing. And let me give you a scripture, and then what I'm going to do, I think I'll do, what I'll do is uh, I will have Emily take, our producer, take down uh, your address, and I will have my assistant send you my latest book on how to deal with your past. Um, and this this is the scripture that came to mind. Um, Paul is writing uh, to the Philippians, and man, let me find it here. I don't have my Bible open here. Um, uh, Philippians chapter three, let me get there. I should have been turning there because we're almost, we're going to hear music pretty soon here and the show's going to be over. Um, when he's looking at things, he says, oh, no wonder I'm using the wrong version. No wonder it's not finding it. So he says, um, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are up ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And that's where God has you as of today. Amen. So if you would like, Emily can get your info, and I'll have my assistant shoot something in the mail to you as a gift. Yes, I would love that. Thank you. Okay, God bless you. I'm going to put you on hold. Thank you. All right, well, we're coming to the end of the program today. Um very, I called her Emily. Her name is Eileen. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's both an E, e name. Um, at any rate, that's what I get to end the show. Will we make room for all of our mistakes, don't we? That's the grace of God. Thanks for calling in. Got tomorrow program, Lord willing. I'll be with you tomorrow. Uh, taking your calls and your questions. And uh, what a great show. What a privilege to do this show and to be able to serve you on the radio. We're Bible study tonight, 7 p.m. We're back in Genesis 48. Almost done. Love the book of Genesis. God bless you guys. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.